get a really good feeling about this. This is the Outlander Club, a Rebel Scum podcast. Everyone has a story. Here are those Star Wars stories. Don't forget to join us on Patreon for exclusive bonus content and early access. Here's your host, James Razile. Oh, I'm telling you, it's going to be great. When have I ever steered you wrong? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Airlander Club. I am James Razile. This is the show where we speak to Star Wars fans about their Star Wars fandom. Today's show is kind of a cool one, a unique one, in that this isn't someone who's been around since the 70s, 80s, or even uh, the 90s, if my math is correct. Today, I'm going to be talking with David Ortiz. He's 19 years old. He loves Star Wars, but on a different level of Star Wars fandom than anybody else had had on this show. He's not a podcaster or anything like that. He is a fan fiction kind of individual, radio dramas, and currently working on Shadows of the Empire uh, series. A series about the Shadows of the Empire novelization. Anybody who has read the Star Wars Legends stuff knows Shadows of the Empire, Dash Rendar, Prince Shizor, all of that fun stuff. That's where they all originate from. Uh, but, you know, no one's ever made a show about it, let alone a motion picture, which, of course, when that when that uh, novel came out, it was a novel, a video game, a comic, a soundtrack. It was, it was everything that Star Wars uh, really is about. You know, it's, it's Star Wars transcends uh, film, and that's what Shadows of the Empire did. It was the first one to really to really embrace all of it with, without even having uh, the film portion of it. So I was really excited. I'm really hoping uh, to see Shadows of the Empire of the series. Uh, before we get into this conversation with David Ortiz, I would uh, ask you guys to check out our Patreon page, Rebel Scum Podcast. Uh, it's patreon.com slash Rebel Scum Podcast. Also, our YouTube channel, Rebel Scum Podcast on YouTube. Check out that Soul Wizard here on the channel. And, of course, the Rebel Scum Podcast podcast, which uh, I do with Broxnick. And that Soul Wizard is hosted by Andy Fendi. All right, let's get right into this conversation I have with fanfic legend. He's a legend now, in my mind. David Ortiz. Leave that to me. Hi, my name is David Ortiz. I am 19 years old, and I've been a Star Wars fan for, honestly, as long as I can remember. I think the first Star Wars film that I saw was Empire Strikes Back on VHS when we had those old cassette players. And the first film I ever saw in theaters was, I believe it was Attack of the Clones. Um, And Star Wars has really been an integral part of my life uh, for numerous reasons, but very specifically my career choice i was really inspired by george lucas how not only was he an independent filmmaker but he was an independent filmmaker that had an idea and a vision that no one else really believed in and you know even though no one else believed in it he really loved it to death and he knew that he could do it you know against all odds there were so many challenges he went through and somehow some way he got it done and it is what it is today because of him. And I really use that as inspiration for my career path. And as a creative person, I've always used that whenever I come up with challenges and, and things of that nature. And that's why uh, I really wanted to expand on Shadows of the Empire. Because I think it's such an in- interesting story that has had everything but a real visual adaptation besides the game um, uh, done with it. And so that's why I was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I don't care how, I don't 
you know, it, it, I'm not going to be too worried about, you know, this challenge or that challenge. I'll face things and, and, and I'll get it done however it can be done. Now, the Atlantic Club podcast is one where we, typically we follow the Star Wars stories from the very first introduction to Star Wars until modern day. However, one uh, thing that we've neglected on it so far has been Shadows of the Empire, which is, uh, you know, is something that uh, kind of brought me back into Star Wars in a lot of ways. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I remember reading the book, uh, Obsess Over the Video Game. Uh, and then you know you find that there's a soundtrack, comic book series, and all of that. But you uh, have a Kickstarter campaign right now for the Shadows of the Empire series. Uh, but you, like mm-hmm. you said, you're only 19 years old. Shadows of the Empire is a little mm-hmm. bit older than 19 years old. So instead <laughs> of us doing our whole Star Wars story, let's do a Shadows of the Empire story instead. Sure. And take me from the minute that you, uh, right off the bat, let's just go. How did you hear about Shadows of the Empire? Sure. So my older brother was living with us for for the last few years that he was with us until he got married. And he had a Nintendo 64 with Ocarina of Time, GoldenEye, Banjo-Kazooie, and Shadows of the Empire. And eventually when I got a little bit old enough, around four or five years old, to be able to start you know, playing video games, he gave it to me. And I started playing all the games and the one, probably my favorite one was Shadows of the Empire, not only because it was Star Wars, but it, it, it honestly was just a really fun game to, uh, to experience. There wasn't a whole lot like it out there. And then uh, as I got a little bit older, I, I, I played it, you know, over and over again, no matter how many times I beat it, it was such a fun game. Um, and then eventually when I got to maybe about seven years old, I found, uh, found the book and tried reading it and then waited a, a little bit longer until I was about 12 years old to read it from front to back. And I was like, wow, they, you know, they have a whole book on it. And then uh, they had a toy line. I remember I was at a fair when I was very young and I saw that they had a, a vendor with a, just a section dedicated to Shadows of the Empire figures. And I was looking for Dash Render. I didn't see any until uh, there was one just kind of hiding there in the corner. I'm like, I gotta have him. Um, and I've had him to this day. Um, and ever since it's really been, it's a really interesting Star Wars story that has always intrigued me. Um, I guess you could say I have that bias because I grew up with it, but there's just something about it that really stands out to me. And as a creative person, I try to look into things on a, uh, bigger scale than most other people would look at something so some people might take uh this game at face value and be like oh it's about a guy who's a smuggler for the rebels and you know whatnot um but then if you take it to a little deeper level it it shows a lot of a lot of really interesting themes and elements the biggest one being that you know even the good guys can you know do questionable things to get advantages you know the rebels uh would require assistance or information from the black sun who is a you know pretty evil crime syndicate and you'd think wow you know the good guys are relying off of them for information you know so and then there's a whole and you get to see this third party too besides just the good and the bad you see someone who's really uh not looking to uh, destroy these people or to save these people he's looking for his own power, his own thirst for power, 
and that's what he's after. And I think that's a really cool uh, story that's expanded upon, especially in the book. Um, but yeah, ever since I was really little, I've always loved the story just because of that gap that it fills between uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi. And I really believe it's one of those stories that it's had everything but a sort of visual adaptation uh, done for it. And I'm like, you know, if not now, when, you know, uh, it really, in my opinion, needs to be done um, for the people who really enjoy it. Because there's so, there's so many Star Wars personalities out there who play this game still all the time. Hello Greedo plays them, Eckhart's Ladder plays it. All these people play the game still. They read the books. They talk about the lore behind it because it's just there's so much there, and it's really just a fun story to talk about. I remember a few years ago when we were in our first year doing the podcast, we decided to do um, we decided to do an episode on Shadows of the Empire, and I gave it a whole reread, and, and we played the video game, and I remember how much I enjoyed Shadows of the Empire. And and there are similarities between it and the current sequel trilogy, the current canon that's going on. There are little pieces mm-hmm. in there that I thought. And I thought, you know, someone like Prince uh, Shizor, or however you want to pronounce him, I have no idea. <laughs> I thought. I, I think I think that's how he's pronounced. That's how I pronounce him. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I, there's. I, I think the audio book is Zizor, I think they call. It. I'm not sure. They, there's a yeah. I think they all say Coruscant instead of Coruscant. So there's <laughs> there's some but uh I think that there's a place in current canon for for Prince Zizor for sure, especially when we see Maul in mm-hmm. in in Solo and stuff like that. So before we get into into your project, what don't you, what do you think about that? Like do you think there's a place for these characters in current canon? Oh, sure. I think you know, and and one of the things we really wanted to consider when making this is, uh, sure, tell this story, but also tell it in a way that, you know, appeals to the the largest amount of people that we can. I know for me, if something contradicts something in my head canon, I'll, I will be turned off by it. Um, and that's just, that's just a me thing. So uh, I know for a lot of people who really appreciate a lot of the sequel trilogy canon, and a lot of that material that's come out within the past few years, uh, that's something we've also wanted to be sort of respectful of, while at the same time being respectful of the original story in the EU, which it is, it is a it is a challenge, but there's ways to um, to kind of subtly hint at both. And um, but to answer your question, I really do believe that Prince Shizor uh, has a place in the uh, this new canon, and I think uh, it'd be really interesting to see him come up and in a uh, official show or movie or something like that. I, I really think it would be a really good opportunity for them to do that. One of the fun things we do on the Rebels Come podcast is a segment called Never Tell Me the Odds, where we ask the odds of something happening. So I want you to tell me the odds of Shizor appearing in canon in the next five years. Ooh. Um, I'm going to – let's put it at 100 to 1. Wow. All right. Okay. I think I you know what? If they make a solo two or a Maul and Kira spinoff, I don't see how you don't bring him into that. Yeah. Like that's just Yeah, definitely. There's so much fun you could play around I, with there. I, I think 
I think if they announce it, I'll definitely lower that a lot more and be like, oh, it's probably like a 20 to 1, 10 to 1 chance. But um, 100 to 1. <laughs> I'll put my, I'm going yeah. to, I'm going to, I'm going to put money down on that one. I have, I'm going to put, <laughs> I'm going to put a, a $1 down and, uh, and I will, I'll, I'll, I'll make my money on that. <laughs> All right. I want to know about the, the, the prequel trilogy. I got. I got to ask you about the prequel trilogy. I have to know about sure. your whole Star Wars story. We can't just be mm-hmm. able to. I have to know when what, were you introduced to the prequels, uh, and what were your initial thoughts of them? So I was introduced to the prequels. I think it was three years old, almost four, when Attack of the Clones was uh, in theaters. So I really, I, I saw it, quote unquote, in theaters, but I don't remember a whole lot of actually seeing it. Um, the first one that I truly remember seeing in theaters was Revenge of the Sith uh, when it came out. And so the order in which I saw them before Revenge of the Sith, uh, my dad was like, okay, well, we need to watch all the other ones first. So we ended up watching the original trilogy first. And then I watched The Phantom Menace for the first time and then rewatched Attack of the Clones, which I remembered none of it. And then we finally went to the theaters and watched... um, revenge of the sith what was that experience like do you remember revenge of the sith in theaters was a really intense experience especially for a five-year-old uh you know having the jedi just completely mowed down and the uh uh, the whole entire order 66 sequence was really just intense as a kid um and the uh the uh, the whole entire scene with Anakin being burned uh, was definitely an intense one. And then I remember with him uh, in the suit rising up with the music playing, it was just like, it was kind of scary as a kid. It was really, really cool. It, it put that sort of uh, fear or um, intimidation that they want Darth Vader to have with you in the audience. Um I had that as a kid. And then when I actually saw Rogue One when it came out and it was that last scene with him in the hallway, I relived that feeling that I had as a kid. And I'm like, whoa, like total uh, nostalgia flashbacks here. This is really, really cool. Um, but yeah, going back to uh, the prequels, I honestly, I love them. You know, a lot of people, you know, there are sure problems with them and, you know, this looks bad and this dialogue is really bad. But overall, I think it's a really good telling of Anakin and his fall to the dark side. I, I really like how you could compare the original trilogy and the sequel or the prequel trilogy and the prequel trilogy takes the hero's journey story, but it cuts it off and goes on something completely different and it's not about him anymore um one of the things i've started noticing a lot in a lot of modern stories is that type of story gets used way too much um and i think that's why i honestly like the pre i'm starting to like the prequels uh story a little bit more i still really appreciate the original trilogy don't get me wrong but i think I like Anakin as a character uh, in terms of his progression also because it covers a longer span of time, whereas Luke is only able to cover a few years. But that's the great thing about the sequel trilogy, too, is his uh, 
his story is expanded even more and the hero's journey style quote unquote is cut in the sequel trilogy and that's also what i like about it too is it really changes a lot of things that star wars has done for years and it's like wow this is you know something new something we haven't seen and heard of before you know and so really that's why like almost every every movie each one is different each one is its own and they have sure they have their um their negatives but overall i see all the positives in each and every movie you say that shadows of the empire the video game for n64 was had a huge impact on you revenge of the sith had a video game for the xbox 360 is it 360 or was it just originally i think it was 360 i think it was I had it Maybe on the original. Too. Oh, please. Okay, whatever. It was on that generation of console. Let's just say yeah. that. Um, was yeah. that. Did that have any impact on you at all? Were you obsessed with that like you were with Shadows of the Empire? Oh, definitely. I loved that game. I, I loved that game to death. That game was so fun. It really... It was... It, again, it was a type of game that we had never really had in the way that it was done. Um, And sure, it was different from the movie and a lot and some of the story missions but it was just so fun especially with the combos and and uh learning those and then you have the uh co-op duel where you could duel uh even anakin versus darth vader and i thought that was type of that was really cool and you know you have the uh, second ending with a what if you know anakin killed obi-wan and uh that game i had a lot of fun with that game too and it definitely um added to why i really love not just star wars but star wars games in particular i think there's something about each big title release that comes out for each generation that just pushes the boundary um or just changes the way things are done and i think that is really what makes most big star wars games uh, memorable especially a lot of the older ones too is they uh had different teams working on them so you get different interpretations and different styles that would come out of that and shadows of the empire i think is definitely my favorite one out of all of those just because of the the, the combat system was different and that's what made it fun and challenging the story was in a place you wouldn't expect and the music was just something else too. Mm-hmm. The, music, the music, I think, is just is completely master. I think the music of uh, Shadows of the Empire is com- is very underrated. I actually, uh, mm-hmm. I think it is to be honest. Okay, so in 2012, Disney purchases Lucasfilm. Uh, you were only a year old apparently because you're a baby. But <laughs> did that, did that have any impact on you at all? In 2012, yeah, yeah the, when they bought it, yeah. Um, I was, I think, I was like. 12 or 13 at the time um but i was really confused honestly um i'm trying to remember i don't think it was hello grid i watched somebody make a video about it on why they were really skeptical about it um and at first i was totally like man no 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 this is horrible you know it's gonna be just so awful and who knows what they're gonna do with it and at the time i was also really upset because that meant that the clone wars was going to be canceled too and that was that's a show that i've really been known for saying is probably my favorite show of all time um 
But then as I saw the trailer for The Force Awakens, when they released that, like, I think it was two years later, um, I was really like, wait, hold on. You know, this is not bad at all. This is actually really cool looking. And then as the years go by, you have The Force Awakens, Rogue One, The Last Jedi, so on. And then now, just recently, you have Galaxy's Edge, which is just Mm -hmm. out of this world. I cannot even begin to explain that. But so, so after I saw the first teaser, I kind of had that uh i i i basically had faith again that it would be uh it would have good stories and that justice would be done for it um and that they wouldn't mess it up um to the point where it would just be awful for me but there was that period of maybe two years where i wasn't really a huge star wars fan because of that um, but then once they released the teaser for episode seven, that really kind of flipped the switch back for me. And I was right back on the uh, Star Wars train. How, when was the first time you saw, um, uh, Clone Wars? Was that on, did you see in the theater? Or was it on TV? Yeah. The first time I saw it, I think it was like 2008 when the film came out. I remember going to the theater after school. Um, I had my, uh, dad take my clone trooper helmet. Amazing. Uh, with me and this was back in the day when you back in the day when you could wear helmets in movie theaters hmm. um and then i remember just sitting there and i'm i'm just totally mesmerized this eight-year-old kid is just mesmerized by uh this movie a lot of people uh don't like it you know for what it is and as 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 older as i am and you know the more i've studied uh stories and you know all that type of thing i definitely see what you know people's grievances were for 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 a lot of it but i still think it's it's not that bad as as some people made it out to be um but i remember seeing it in the theater and it was just like whoa this is like this is really cool you know not seeing a star wars movie since 2005 in the theaters was really really cool i I thought oh there's nothing there's not gonna be anything like this ever again and you know how wrong was i but it was again there's just something magical as a kid seeing just star wars in a theater you know and i think that's the biggest thing even as adults is no matter how good or bad the movie may be uh overall if you really sit down and pick it apart when you're in that theater and when you're experiencing it you're not worried about that in the moment. You're and, not worried about that at all. And you're that perfect age too. You know, you're seven years old, eight years old, and that those that movie, the first four episodes, whatever you want to call them, they really kind of were. I felt more for children than adults. Let's mm-hmm. say because I was uh, how old was I? I was like twenty. 20 something at the time so it was kind of i i wasn't that interested in that now the show itself obviously kind of evolved and became something that was you know that we could all talk about and love but what was your first impression on uh on ahsoka i honestly it was really funny i honestly related to her a lot because you have this kid coming in and she's very inexperienced she acts like a kid and she grows along the way and up until the 
former end of the show since it's back now but up until the end of the show i kind of grew up with her as she grew up in a sense um i matured through school while in the show she was maturing as a as a jedi and so you it's really interesting but you see the, the the similarities on how a kid who's watching this character grows up with them over the next five six years you know um and so that's why I never really found her super annoying in the beginning because I related to her in a sense. It's like, oh, there's a kid growing up. Um, and so that's why when the uh, the season finale of, I think it was season five came, uh, it was really uh, emotional almost because it, it's, you know, this is just a character that I've grown up with. And uh, it felt like it was me uh going through that as well because i've been through situations uh where that type of feeling is of feeling alone and feeling like nobody trusts you or nobody's on your side and i really related to that a lot too so i it was just it was something it's something really amazing to be able to relate to that and on a on a really powerful level and so i've always liked ahsoka from the beginning and then obviously you like where she's gone now the the character she's become Oh, definitely. I think uh, it's even in Rebels. I I don't like Rebels as much as the Clone Wars. I appreciate the uh, the things that it does, though, for a lot of characters and certain uh, things that are done within it. But overall, I just I haven't really invested a lot of. Uh, I don't think I've even watched almost half of the show, but. The ones that I did watch, you know, included like Ahsoka and Maul and having seeing her story continued and then just kind of leaving off in that Rebels cliffhanger was was uh, again, it was really cool. It felt like, you know, you're reuniting with this long lost friend and you're going on a new journey with them. And uh, I like how they did it in Rebels. I really do think that they did a good job with her character in it. Um Yeah, I thought Ahsoka and Rebels really, I don't want to say redeem the character at all, but I think for anyone that was skeptical after Clone Wars, they really brought her to the forefront and made her incredibly important and powerful and a character that I'm more and more interested in and intrigued by every every Star Wars minute uh, pers- on a personal uh, level. So anyway, Force Awakens is about to come out. You are uh, a teenager. You're a Riley teen. You're angry. You, the <laughs> angst is flowing through you. But this Force Awakens trailer drops. Do you remember watching that for the first time? I remember staying up the entire night uh, watching, or the day before, I actually had a marathon. I went from one through six, the entire, starting in the morning all the way up until, like, I think the evening, and then... Uh, I waited for it to drop and I kept refreshing YouTube and whatever page else I was on. And then I finally saw the trailer drop and I clicked it and I'm like, just my, my breath was taken away. I couldn't, you know, I I could breathe, but I was just (laughs) like my mouth, my mouth was agape and I was just like, like, this is real. This is happening. I never in a million years thought that that would happen. Um, even when they announced it, I'm like, there's no way. And then when I really saw the trailer, I'm like, wait, this is happening. Um, and I was like, wow, I'm excited. 
I felt like a kid again, like a little kid again. And I'm like, this is, this is going to be another fun experience to grow, to continue growing up with even more. Uh, so that was really fun to, to uh, experience that. When was the first time you saw The Force Awakens? Um, I saw it opening night. Uh, whatever year it came out, it was in 2015, I think. Yeah. Um, opening night, I remember my dad and I, we had ordered our tickets way before. Um, and we stood in line with the biggest line of people I've ever seen in my life for anything. Um, and I remember we watched uh, the original trilogy again over right before just to stay on that new note and um you know there were people having like lightsaber duels in the in the lot or uh people that that people from the r2 builders club brought their droids and everything and there were 501st people in their costumes and it was uh it was a really surreal experience and i was like wow this is cool and then so the second that it i remember the lucasfilm logo came on People started clapping, and I'm like, this is real. Hold on. And then a long time ago, Galaxy Far, Far Away fades out, and then I was just waiting for the Star Wars logo to hit with the music and everything. And the second that it hit, man, I've never felt like that uh, since. I remember every single person in the crowd was just screaming at the top of their lungs um, when that popped up, and I'm just hear this 15 year old kid like whoa like this is probably what it was like you know for people seeing like episode one pop up when it popped up you know or um seeing return of the jedi and so i was like wow this is this is just so surreal and then the opening scene was i i honestly think the opening scene for the forest awakens is one of the best of the saga um because not only does it bring you back, but it does a really good job of establishing the the situation while keeping a high pace. Um, and it introduces the villain right away. The music for him is also just, it's beautiful, I think. I think John Williams did an amazing job with uh, Kylo Ren's theme. And so just having that menacing feeling emanate from him as he steps out of the uh, the ship. And it's just like, wow, it's literally just like being a little kid again um so that entire film i was just totally just gone from the the moment and then the very last scene with luke i just everyone lost it i remember too and uh that build up with ray walking up the steps too was really awesome and then uh when it ended we were all clapping and cheering and standing and Oh, I remember it was it was it was a night to remember. That's probably one of the few nights that I can remember that clearly about anything. It was just that intense. How many times did you see it in the theater? I think I saw it three or four times in the theater. Did you have to get a part time job? Yeah. To go- <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I had to. I because I I was still I had barely just so I hadn't even yeah. had a, actually no I did I did have a job. Um, I was doing some volunteer work and I was getting kind of paid under the table for it. <laughs> That's um, kind of volunteer work for and sure. And I just <laughs> I I just saved it all all that I could get and I'm like okay we're gonna go see this again and my dad's like like 
really? And then when he <laughs> saw it again, it's like, okay, we need to come back again. Uh, and then I think we saw it like three or four times and it was just, it was, it was hilarious, but yeah, definitely three or four times. That's awesome. What was your excitement level like for Rogue One? We know how you reacted to Vader in that movie, but you mm-hmm. obviously going into it, didn't know that that was going to happen. So what was your excitement like going into Rogue One? I was really excited for Rogue One as well. I was like, you know what? Seeing this story come to life, we've seen it with characters like Kyle Katarn and and all these people. Now I'm interested on how they're going to do it in this new version. And, you know, you can easily see uh, the similarities between Jan Ors, Jyn Erso, uh, and Cassian and Kyle Katarn. And even Cassian's uh, shirt and pants very much matched Kyle Katarn's. So I'm like, okay, I see what they're doing. They're, you know, the little symbolism there. Um, but I was really thrown back when the opening of Rogue One happened. There was no uh, title crawl or anything. It just, you know, threw you right in there. And I was like, whoa, hold on, you know. And it was just like, I didn't think I was going to be that captivated by Rogue One. <laughs> and throughout the whole entire movie, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Um, there were like there were a few parts that were a little slow for me, um, that I can get past because of the rest of the movie, especially the final act. Um, and then when that final act comes, and then you see red leader and gold leader, I'm like, wait, those are the actual. Act- how did they do that? And then you know, seeing Tarkin, and it's like, wait, how did it? <laughs> you see Princess Leia at the end, and it's like, what? You know, um. So Rogue One, for the most part, except for just little bits here and there that were a little slow plot-wise, I really, really did enjoy the movie. And I immediately had to go watch uh, A New Hope right after that, just because I was like, okay, there's just, I have to. This is just so cool. I know so many people, that was their reaction. I was like, that was awesome. Gotta go watch A New Hope. Gotta go throw that in. Like it's like I think I think Rogue One did its job. If that's what it does, then it do, did its job. You obviously know a lot about the expanded universe, so I gotta know when. Mm-hmm. At what point did was it Shadows that got you into? It? Like what got you into the expanded universe? And to this day, do you do you read the new canon expanded universe? Mm-hmm. Um. So it was really shadows of the empire that, you know, started it all for me. And then from there I started playing the games like rogue squadron and bounty hunter and, uh, Knights of the old Republic and all of those games. And then eventually I, uh, started playing more, like more and more games like uh, Republic commando specifically. That was the one that got me into more of the lore of the EU, uh, because they had the Republic commando books by Karen Travis. And so I was like, Oh, what, you know? So then I ended up uh, picking those up. I read through all of those. And then a couple years later, they released the Darth Plagueis book. And I'm like, yo, I need to get this. Uh, And that's honestly one of my favorite Star Wars books that I've read. It's a really, really easy read to follow, but it's still a very in-depth story that has, you know, a lot to it that, you know, you really need to be paying attention to uh, to understand or have a be a certain age, I guess you could say, to fully understand a lot of the uh, intricacies of it. Uh, but it's still an easy read that anybody could really, you know, read it. And then so just uh, from there, I, you know, looked into the lore. I did a lot of reading. And then eventually I started an audio drama series 
uh, titled Star Wars Legends. And the original idea behind it was to take Star Wars Legends stories, so, you know, EU stories that are no longer canon, and make audio dramas out of them. And so uh, I started with the first, the original plan was going to be the first season was Knights of the Old Republic era. Second season would be the Clone Wars. And then third season would be uh, Galactic Civil War between the Empire and the Rebels. Well, eventually, uh, I decided that, well, they have the Clone Wars and they have the books for the new canon. And the Clone Wars is still canon, so I'm not going to try to, you know, tell some new things with that. And then Galactic Civil War, they started doing things like Rogue One and Solo. And I'm like, mm, okay, I, I, don't, I can leave that alone. Uh, so I ended up dedicating the entire series to uh, the Knights of the Old Republic era and really delving into Darth Revan's backstory. I think my favorite character in all of Star Wars, besides Obi-Wan, is Darth Revan. Um, because he really encapsulates this whole uh, middle ground type of thing, you know understanding morals but at the same time understanding that just sitting around and doing nothing does not get things done and it you know innocent people die because of that and action needs to be taken and his entire backstory uh from that to the old republic is really fun too and so i was just like you know what i'm gonna make the whole series about him so the first entire season which is actually going to have the season finale done or released in about a couple weeks here um is just about him in his youth so about 14 years old i think it was how he kind of just became or became a jedi from being a nobody being a scavenger or a just really this nobody i never bothered with telling who his origins are uh, because I really liked how they did that with Ray. They didn't bother telling about who her parents were or anything. They just were like, here, this is her adventure now. Worry about this. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of took that and was like, well, I'm just going to say, you know, he's a stowaway on a Mandalorian ship. We don't know why. He's been running. Um, and then he's been progressing through this entire season of like 10 episodes so far. And currently he's on the verge of. Uh, making some big decisions that are going to affect him and his current crew that he's with. And it's going to tell in this last episode how he finds the Jedi Council and how he gets accepted by them. And then the second season will actually be essentially adapting the comics of the Mandalorian Wars and putting that into an audio drama. And then, so it'll run for two seasons uh, and that'll be the show. That's awesome. How long does it take you to put these together? Like the concept and all that. Ooh. Um, because you're only 19 and it seems like it would take oh, a, lo- yeah. a long, a long time. Um, and, and it's like, you haven't had that much time on this earth to think of all of it. Sure. No. Um, for the definitely for the concept of the show it took me at least two months to do all the research read up on all the lore find out what you know isn't told yet you know what part of them isn't told where can i start and i really had to pay attention to all the specific dates 
and how old this person was and what date this was like it's down to the bone specific about that um because i'm like it it needs to make sense with the knights of the old republic uh, storyline yeah so i got really picky about that studied that for days and days and hours and hours when i was in my first year in college um and then i went on this site called casting call club that my friend actually told me about and he's like well this is where we get voice actors for our stuff from and i'm like oh i'll try that so i made this really intricate casting call that took me a good week to make um and i'm like wait i need a script though to do this so i was like okay i'll put this on hold and i'm like okay what script do i use and i actually remembered i'm kind of jumping around but i i kind of remembered that I wanted to make a fan film of this same story. And I had the first script written out, but it just wasn't right for an audio drama format. And I thought to myself, there's no way that I can get this done as a fan film. It's going to be way too expensive. And Old Republic era type stuff is really hard to nail down in live action. So I'm like, well... I'll still be able to tell my story, but it'll, it won't be the way that I thought. So uh, I took the script, spent a good week or two editing it, and then I went to the casting call and then filled out all the characters. I think there was 20 characters for the first episode or 20 roles. And then uh, it got a lot of pings really quickly. Within the first week, I had like 45 auditions. Wow. Um and then I want to say by the end of it, which was like a 60 day period, I had about a hundred and something auditions um, in total. So I was like, wow, people, you know, really want to be part of this. Um, I made a teaser trailer with some of the audition lines that I were like, yeah, this person's going to be this. And, and then uh, I made a teaser trailer and I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. And, uh, you know, me not having any sort of real presence on YouTube uh, didn't really help much. But then I showed it to a bunch of podcasters and other audio drama creators. And they're like, dude, just make the episode. Don't worry about what your views for the teaser are or anything right now. Just make it right now and then put it on Podbean, SoundCloud and, you know, iTunes, whatever mm-hmm. else. And, and I'm like, all right, cool. So the first episode, ooh, that took me a good month to edit together because I had no experience doing any of that stuff whatsoever. I'm a film student, but at that time I didn't know I was going to be a film student. I was a undeclared or undetermined in college. I was just doing my general education. And so, uh, I was like, well, let's just give it a shot. And I put it together thinking of a movie uh, the slogan for it originally was uh, a- an audio film. It wasn't even an audio drama. It was basically a movie, but uh, just just the audio. And it worked for the first three episodes um, until you start getting into the more intricate plot lines and stuff where you really need a narrator to kind of guide you along some things. Um and uh but once i released the first episode it it became a hit on youtube which i was surprised it had almost a thousand views wow um 
on Podbean. I think it has around 300 and something followers right now. Uh, SoundCloud, it has a total, I think, download count of about 20,000 downloads. And on iTunes, it has like, I think, 700 total downloads. Amazing. Um, so people really enjoyed it. And I was like, that was that was enough for me to uh, continue it and continue writing scripts. So uh, then that's when I was like, you know what? I really wanted to take this film career thing really serious. And then so I started taking film classes. And the first class I really wanted to take was script writing. So it would help me with uh, writing these episodes. Uh, so while I was in script writing class, I was actually writing these episodes. Um, and they got better with each one as each one progressed. And, you know, each every episode that released, it just got way better than the last one. And it's just like, wow, how how can it get any better? And, and, you know, that's how I got it from other people. They're like, there's no way this could get better and better and better and better. And, you know, here I am improving each episode. Uh so it's really fun to make these and I'm really excited to uh, to release the season finale. It's way overdue. It's like two it's like a month or two overdue, but it's mostly due to me being really occupied with Shadows of the Empire. Um but I'm looking forward to releasing that because it's a fun story to tell and it's uh yeah. it's a good way to keep my editing skills refined and uh just tell a fun story. Well, the audio drama side of it, this is, it's funny how it's, it's 2019 and it's the perfect time to produce an audio drama. Like, you know, in 2018, mm-hmm. 2019, like we've, we've reverted back to audio now. <laughs> we, you know, television's yeah. dying, but let's go back to audio. So it's, that's right. awesome for you. that. 20,000 da- downloads is incredible. That's uh, just awesome. Um, so, sh- so let's skip ahead now. Are you in, did you like aftermath at all? The aftermath trilogy? Did you read it? You know, I haven't read the Aftermath trilogy. Um, I actually, and I think you asked me this question a little earlier, but I haven't read a whole lot of the new canon books mm-hmm. just because I'm lazy. Let's put it that way. Fair enough. Um, I haven't read a I haven't read a book from cover to cover in just such a long time. It's it's really been that long. Um, but I'll take like. If it's one that I'm not, like, totally, like, I have to read it because I don't want it spoiled. But for the most part, I'll just kind of look up, like, synopsis, synopses or summaries of it um, and just kind of take in the information that way. But from what I gathered about the Aftermath novels, I, I definitely have to read it to form an opinion because I've yes. heard both. I've heard both sides. I've heard people say that they're really, really bad, and I've heard people say that they're really, really good. I'll say you um, have to you have to read the first one, but you have to read the the next two. Like you, even if you hate what you're reading, you need to push forward. I don't mm-hmm. know if that makes any sense, but yeah, you yeah. just. But the reason why I asked though is because um, I'm interested in you producing an audio drama based on the aftermath trilogy right now. I just <laughs> want to point that out. <laughs> As I think I think the stories that they're telling in aftermath are going to end up being so, uh, more important, like as important as we were promised at one point, and then it kind mm-hmm. of didn't. So you know, I'm just saying, I'm, I, I'm I am throwing an idea your way, and I know you need more ideas because um, you clearly oh, don't, yeah, no. you clearly don't have enough. Um, no, definitely. Sorry, go on. Oh no, I, I, you know, if I read up on it and learned everything, I, you know, 
be very interested in making more stories and i'm sure that that's one that a lot of people would like to hear as well um and so you know who knows i'm looking to do more audio dramas i i want to submit star wars legends to uh the audioverse awards which they have every other year i think so it'd be for next year um and hopefully win it because i i don't mean it for me but i think it deserves an award for the people who have really put in countless hours of retakes meetings table reads and who knows what else these actors that i've gotten are made and they do it all for free yeah. and i think that's the biggest thing is a lot of people are like what can you expect from a free voice actor you know there's like some there's there's a there's a stigma on that which you know it's very valid but man these guys that i have are as professional as you can get um they're really really fun to work with and they really get into their characters and they really match them and so I know a lot of them would be wanting to return for something else or, um, you know, wanting to do something new. And that's why I, you know, I think they'd be fun to make more and to hopefully get them awards so that, you know, these voice actors who want to become professionals can use something like this uh, in their portfolios uh, saying like, look, you know, I did this Um, because there's definitely a lot of people who I really think, uh, are very underrated as voice actors. Why why make the transition from audio to now for Shadows of the Empire? This is a four parts. Why why go um, live action now? Why make it pictures and not just go back to the audio format, which obviously you've been succeeding at. Sure, um, because Shadows of the Empire had an audio book, um, and I think it's just one that really should be made into live action it's really it's gotten everything else but that everything you could think of but that um and it's also i it it needs to be my first film that i want to produce as an independent filmmaker because i think uh, making something that you're comfortable with or something that you know going into the industry is the best way to set yourself up for success if you make something that you know, or work in a genre or a story that you know nothing about and it's very challenging for you, the story might not come up as good or you might not do as good of a job as opposed to when you pick something that you are somewhat comfortable with. It's good to push yourself and challenge yourself, but you can do that while still not totally throwing yourself off a cliff uh, with something unfamiliar. Um, Stay in your lane. As they say, so two years after, yeah, two years after the Force Awakens. Now we see Rey go up those steps on Acto one more time. She hands the lightsaber off to Luke, and we are watching the Last Jedi. I would like you to walk me through your experience watching this film. (laughs) Oh boy, I knew we would come. I I knew we would come to full circle to this. Um, I try to stay very neutral with it honestly um i don't like to feed to either um extreme side because both sides can be um pretty extreme when they're arguing with the other one but uh i remember when i saw it in theaters for the first time 
it was also a really cool, amazing experience. I thought the opening sequence when it kind of played that little uh, motif from the A New Hope with the uh, with the whistle or the flute or whatever it was that was playing at the beginning. I'm like, wait a second, you know. I thought that was really cool. Um, and then again, how it just kind of slams you right in there. Um, I thought that was perfect to keep the pace up. And then I really, I personally liked what was, I personally liked what was done. I'm going to say it. I personally like what was done with these characters <laughs> because I think the biggest thing that I had to make myself remember too, is that he's a Skywalker and there's that blood in him of, uh, you know, being very overly cautious or overly paranoid and, you know, anybody that has a family member that has a very, like, a distinct trait, more often than not, they will inherit that trait to some capacity, um, especially if they live with that person, you know. So I think Luke hesitantly um, thinking about, you know, just, you know, killing Kylo or Ben Solo was not... Um, not out of the blue, I think, for his character. You even see that when he's fighting Darth Vader. You know, he nearly kills him. But it takes the words of Palpatine to uh, to honestly make him, like, look and be like, wait, hold on, you know. Um, and I honestly think that either Palpatine, Snoke, or whatever was also essentially doing that same thing to him with Ben Solo and because he was talking about just for a brief moment it was pure instinct and then it kind of faded away like a fleeting shadow and it was like you know I I think that there was some some sort of force uh you know playing a playing some sort of game with his head there but either way for him to see everything that he would do Uh, and to want to stop it or just any way that he could that's not unheard of for a skywalker literally anakin did that exact same thing to stop a dream that he had just a dream it was just a dream that anakin had but he ends up killing thousands of jedi and literally killing the person he dreamed about that he was trying to save like if that's not just as ridiculous if you know you know what i mean so i think that that was not out of the ordinary for him to do now the one thing that i'm like okay about like or not okay but like that i agree with on the negative side of it is that like he kind of held it for a little bit long like he was just like no <laughs> you know like no no um and then i also had to remind myself that yoda was very much the same in empire he did not want to train luke because yoda had essentially failed um, he was trying everything possible not to train Luke just because he was the son of Vader and he didn't want to make a second Vader. Uh, and it took Obi-Wan to convince him. And so there's that sort of parallel with Luke where it takes Yoda to convince Luke to train Rey or to uh, to help the, uh, the rebels and to help Rey. And so I think, you know, that that's not that far-fetched either 
And so that's why I'm okay with that as well. I think they could have shortened that a little bit and because he did keep it dragged on. But I do like his explanations throughout that kind of keep it there. Like, you know, at the height of the Jedi's power, they were so blinded by Palpatine and they let him uproot everything. And I'm like, okay, you know, that makes sense. Um, so that's all fine and dandy. The two biggest complaints though about the last jedi that i have are finn's character is severely underused and uh cantobite um i think cantobite is a really beautiful cool place it's it's beautiful it's just cool it's the type of place that fits perfectly with star wars um the, the the issue that i had with is that it was very much focusing on Rose's character, which I don't have a problem with her character. I'm not even, you know, talking about her character. It's the fact that Finn has this progression in The Force Awakens that is like, oh, so where's his story going to lead off to now? Um, and then in The Last Jedi, it's literally just a repeat of The Force Awakens where he's running away, he gets caught running away, uh, and then something, something along happens so that he doesn't run away. You know? So I think there was just, there was a little lack of progression with him in the last Jedi that focused more on Rose's character, which is fine because if they expand on her character in episode nine, then, you know, cool. But I think she definitely stole uh, a lot of the, the scenes from his character and from him. Uh, and that's why I'm like, uh, you know about it i think poe's character was really his progression was really well done though uh Mm -hmm. it has you know him in episode seven being this cocky fighter pilot and you know just essentially do whatever you can do whatever i want and that'll that'll solve the problem you know even if things happen along the way but then he learns this lesson in the last jedi that you know you can't just sacrifice people left and right even if it means a small victory, you know, at at what cost is kind of the lesson. Um, So I love his character progression. I think uh, the other thing that bothers me a lot too is the lack of use of Captain Phasma. Um, In Force Awakens in The Last Jedi, she, she just gets picked off really quickly at the end. Um, and there's no sort of real rivalry between her and Finn. Finn never loses to her, really. Um, in The Last Jedi, they get caught, but it's not because of him or her. It's because, you know, DJ turns them in. Um, and so I think... I, I, I definitely don't think she'll be back in Episode Nine. That's just me. But I think it was a bit of a wasted opportunity for her not to be a direct rival with him throughout the film. So you see her emotions with it, you see his emotions with it. And if they have some sort of backstory, you know, whatever it may be. And you'd see that from him as a child, her, like whether it's abusing him during training or whatever it is. Um, I think that she could have been utilized a bit more. Um, Other than that though, I think I think it's a. Fu- I love the porgs. I mean, yeah. come on, who doesn't love who doesn't love the porgs? They're they're so cute. Um, I think the battle of crate was just absolutely beautiful. 
I loved that entire sequence. Um, and uh, I, I specifically love the scene with Gareth Edwards when he's a rebel soldier and he, and the, the guy next to him licks the salt and he's like, it's salt. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I just, I, I like that scene, just the look that Gareth Edwards gives is just so funny. Um, but other than that, I think it's, it's a, it's a overall a a good movie in its own regard. Again, like I said earlier, I think each movie is good in its own way. None of them are just drop dead horrible. Um, I think it does have a lot of things that I have a problem with, but I don't hate the movie. I, I, I tell people I have a love hate relationship with the movie. Um, you know, and, and the whole other thing is that uh, with the throne room duel, I absolutely loved the duel when I was in the theater watching it for the first time. I was like, whoa, I was not expecting this. Like, I kind of saw it in the lead up a little bit, but I wasn't sure. And I'm like, he's definitely not going to kill her. There's no way he's going to kill Snoke. And then, you know, he kills him. I'm like, what? You know, um, and then that whole battle goes on. Uh, but from someone who has uh, some choreography experience and who does, who has studied a lot of uh, sword, ways of the sword and, and things like that, um, and fighting in uh, the Saber Legion as well, uh, the, there was a, there's a few things about the throne room duel that just really irked me. But you know, to ev- to an everyday person where they don't know, you know, this is how this works and this is how this works. You know, they wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, it felt more like a dance. To not, in a, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing either. It felt more like a dance than a battle, but it also felt like a battle, and it was good. It again, love hate relationship. Um, and I think the thing I just don't like the most about it is. The uh, the Praetorian Guard captain who has the two short swords and he just magically loses one uh, where he should have stabbed Ray right in the back when he grabbed her. I'm like, I, that's the one thing I did notice in theater. I'm like, wait, where did it go? Uh, and I just played it off as like, oh, he probably dropped it somewhere and they just didn't show it. You know, that's that's how I try to play it off and it worked. But overall, I like the movie. I I, I don't. Um, particularly agree with the whole it's a cinematic disaster failure and I'm like yeah tell that to the box office uh, I think it's a fun movie and I think um, anyone that tells someone they uh, they can't like something because they don't like it and this is with anything you know if someone who likes the original trilogy tells someone who likes the sequels that they're invalid for liking it or vice versa even because i've seen it on both sides too it's like just guys relax every there's a reason why things are different from this and different is so that there's something everyone can like Mm -hmm. because i know for a fact that there's gonna be people who don't like shadows of the empire there's gonna be people who absolutely hate it there's gonna be people who you know and so that's okay i'm not trying to uh please every single person because that is literally impossible the the thing i'm trying to do is to bring the story that is loved by pretty much the majority of the fan base 
and do it in such a way that pleases different audiences of the fan base. So whether that's nods or uh, intricacy or whatever it may be and do that to the best of my capacity. But I'm not at all worried about, you know, if someone doesn't like it because of this, because, you know, sure, I respect your opinion and I will consider it while I'm making it. But I want to make the story that I want to make for the people that I want to make it for. At the same time, you know, being respectful of people's opinions and, you know, that sort of thing. So I think uh, the biggest thing I would say is just, you know, if you like something, great. But if you don't like something else, that's okay. It's okay not to like things. That's People forget about that. How many times did you see The Last Jedi in a the theater? Um, I think I saw it two or three times. Um, any movie that I see, I will... If I really like, if it's a really big movie like Star Wars or Avengers or, uh, or just a really really good movie, I will see it a second time just to really be like, okay, now that I've experienced it, how they wanted me to, I wanted to watch it again, not only to enjoy it, but to kind of pick it apart and be like, wow, they did this, and oh, this is how they did this, you know. Um, what what I what I like about my brain is I could shut off the critical part whenever I want, or shut off the uh, general viewer part and do either or whenever I'd like throughout the movie. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd seen it about maybe two or three times uh, in the theaters as well. What about uh, Solo? It came out just a few months after Last Jedi. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about how it bombed and crashed and burned. Did you go see that in the theater? <laughs> oh, yes. I saw that one opening night as well. What did you think? Um, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was I thought it was fun. And that's sort of the, the feel that I want to bring to Shadows of the Empire is uh, maybe up the color grading a little bit, but uh, <laughs> just, just a little bit more brightness. But... Uh, that sort of feeling, it, it feels like an adventure film. It feels, you know, like uh, uh, like like it's 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 a, it's a genre almost. Yeah. I think uh, films that could fit within it are like Indiana Jones or like uh, I, I'd like to call it the Harrison Ford genre. Is That's honestly a good way, the yeah. Uh, yeah. you know so I I thought it was a really fun movie. It was really really cool and seeing a lot of nods to other things and i i honestly like how he got his name it's not so much a name but it's it is and it's just like it wasn't this big grandiose thing it was just like he was a nobody you know uh and that's how he got it i think that's just it's subtle and it's like you know whatever and you know people people have their things like oh you know they have to say this and they have to say that because because cliche because i'm like well yeah if you're telling a backstory after you've seen all the movies you're gonna you may or may not get annoyed by them referencing something because they have to it's a backstory Mm -hmm. um so but i really did like uh, especially the relationship uh between him and chewbacca and how that's formed and i really really think they nailed donald glover as lando i think that was there couldn't have been a better choice I think he was absolutely amazing, and uh, he was uh, he was really really cool to see on screen. There, it was it was really fun. I agree. I love I love Solo personally. I had uh, 
very little problems with it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's not like the most amazing movie I've ever seen, but like oh, said, sure. it was just it was just a fun movie, and that's why I went to the theater to go see mm-hmm. it. I just wanted a fun movie, and and I thought Woody Harrelson was really good in it. Uh, I was really happy with that, and I love you know, and Maul coming up at the end. Like I said earlier, that that was great. And I think that opens the door for someone like Prince Shizor to make an appearance in canon in a new novel or or a new series or whatnot in the future because Absolutely. because of that with Maul. So now let's get into your own personal shadow Shadows of the Empire four parts. It's a four part series, correct? Yes. So four part series. You're kickstarting it right now. You're going to make this thing. When do you have a start date in mind? It's very contingent on, you know, if it gets funded via Kickstarter or if it gets funded via an outside source or if we have to restart the Kickstarter for whatever reason. The ideal start date of production... Actually, we've already started production, honestly. Um, A lot of the funding is just to elevate it to the series level or to a a broader story level because no matter what we're going to be making a short um of shadows of the empire Mm quote-unquote um because we have the interior cockpit already made it's actually being lent to us by uh, a man named greg dietrich who was part of a millennium falcon cockpit replica project that went on for like seven years i think and they were featured on wired and abc news uh and i reached out to him and he was like yeah dude just uh get in touch with the guys that are in possession of it now because they tour for different uh cons and stuff um and he's like just kind of coordinate and whenever you'd like you know go ahead and i think the beauty of uh the outrider and the falcon is that they're really just sister ships there's a couple things will definitely change to give it its own feel but um for the most part there's not a whole lot you have to do to change it and i think that's the fun part about it too is like it's it's there it's already ready um but yeah production has already started um we have a replica mouse droid that we've used uh files from the uh, replica or the mouse droid builders club they are uh, their leaders were greatly uh or they were very kind and they let us use a lot of the files and join their group and become a builder and we ended up creating a third companion for the crew of the outrider because we thought you know you have uh lebo and dash rendar but wouldn't it be cool if you had like a third um sort of like r2d2 or uh, t3 m4 or whoever else um so we ended up thinking like what's what's an interesting droid we could pick without you know because we didn't want to make something entirely new because that would um you know be a you know it could turn out really really bad Mm -hmm. so we thought let's pick something that is familiar that's cute um and that can have its own sort of background so we thought what if we do a mouse droid but we make him uh, scavenged or repurposed so the whole uh, thing with him is that he is a imperial a former imperial mouse droid that was scrap basically and dash rendar found him repurposed him and renamed him scrapper 
Um, <laughs> and he is this cute little white mouse droid. He's got blue ridges. He's got a cute little antenna. Uh, and he is basically the R2-D2 of the Outrider crew. And he's actually, go, without spoiling too much, he's going to play a very big part in the uh, episode that is going to have the Death Star 2 plans and how the Bothans and Dash Rendar actually get the Death Star 2 plans. Um, so, you know, we, we just finished building him actually today. Uh, we have a costume already going for Dash Rendar. We have a prototype pistol, which is more based off the one, I believe, from the comics. Uh, the one from the game is really just Han Solo's DL-44. Um, so we thought, why don't we pick one that's more unique to him? And we are going to put that little cable that attaches to like a belt clip. And what we're actually going to do is he's going to have a set of different ammunition options that he could actually choose from. So you'll see on screen uh, that he can choose from a regular blaster. He can choose from seeker missiles, uh, pulse cannon, flamethrower, and disruptor. Uh, so I think those were some of the really fun items you could use in Shadows of the Empire 2 in the game. And that's something we also really wanted to bring to the screen because that would look absolutely cool, especially if you're mixing practical effects and special effects like we are. And uh, that's going to be really fun, too. Um, we've already got all the casting done, which, man, I can't even begin to, like, talk about this. Ca it, it's, it's absolutely insane, these people that we've gotten on board with the cast. Uh, the guy that we have playing for Prince Shizor, uh, his name is Reese Putinas. He is an independent film actor. He's done a few films already and he literally has the body build the facial structure down to like the indentation in his chin of prince shizor and it's just like wow and this guy plays only villains he feels like he's built <laughs> for the villain role he is actually campaigning to be the next big hollywood villain so it's like you know to have someone like him and his experience on is absolutely phenomenal uh you have uh, olivia gail berger who uh, she's done a lot of theater and a few independent films as well. And she looks just, uh Oh, Wi-Fi. Oh, hello. Yeah. I'm still here. Oh, it's a, it said connecting and I'm like, what? okay. Um, so we have Olivia Gail Berger who, uh, has done a lot of theater and a lot of independent films as well. And if you put her side by side with a picture of Guri, she looks just like her. And it's like, this is this is like meant to happen. Things like this don't happen uh, where they just fall into place. And then the main actor that we have for Dash Rendar, Lance Bonza, this guy is absolutely phenomenal. Not a, not only is he a really nice and laid back kind of guy, but he has that goofball uh, sort of personality that Dash Rendar has, but also that you know, charismatic, you know, swashbuckling type of uh, personality, this sort of charming, pretty boy type thing, uh, attitude that he's, that Dash has going on there. And, you know, to have him on board with his experience and all that he's done is just like, where, where, where were all these people before, you know, and, and why haven't they been casted in, in more things like this? And so 
uh, as I said before, Shadows of the Empire is not only to tell the story for myself and for the people out there, but to really showcase these actors and crew that's working on it and just be like, hey, these guys are really good. You should put them on your projects, you know? Where did you find the actors? Um, so actually, the three, those three actors I found on a site called Backstage.com. And the way that it worked is they had their profiles and everything. It shows like if they're uh, what their union status is, their age, where they're at and everything. And it's great because I live in near basically near L.A. So, you know, I've got all of the actors over here. Um, and I was actually searching for Dash Rendar first so I could have some sort of concept. I found one actor and he responded to me once. I had to make an interview with him. He never responded. All right, cool. He looked he looked just like him, and I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> That's a great start. And then I found another actor who was so into it, and he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then just kind of out of nowhere, he had to drop out as well. And I'm thinking, this guy looked just like him too. Like, great. You know, because I had to go, I think I went through about almost 2,000 pages of profiles uh until i found lance and then when i found lance i actually hadn't had him as my first choice i picked some other guy who never responded to me or responded back to me i should say but lance responded to me he's like yeah man if it's still open uh i'm i'm totally down it sounds really cool send me some more info and at first, I, I'm not going to lie, I was a little hesitant. And it's just because of the the, the picture that he had. I'm like, mm. but then once I did some more research on him and I did see some of the films and commercials he's done, I'm like, wait, this guy would make a perfect Dash Rendar. So uh, from there, I did an interview with him and it ended up working out. And then with uh, Reese, actually, he was the only person I ever had to reach out to about Prince Shizor. He was the first person I reached out to. He responded back to me like an hour later. And I'm like, this guy, th this this is it. This guy is it. And he's been on board since day, honestly, since day one, since I started looking awesome. for him. So I'm like, wow, you know, you don't ever find things like that ever. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, two actors from Casting Call Club who are going to be the voice of Palpatine and Darth Vader as well, which... Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this YouTube channel, but it's called The Comic Experience. It used to be called Crate Dragon Films, and they have about, I think, 15,000 subs, and they essentially take different comics. So they have the new Marvel comics and the new Star Wars Marvel comics, and they dub them with voice actors. Um, the voice actor that we have for Darth Vader, I think his name is Kevin Ur Urban, um, he is absolutely phenomenal as Vader. He, uh, I, I'm, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but he sounds just like the Vader from The Force Unleashed. And right. he's just, oh man, this guy's amazing. Uh, he was actually in one of the teaser trailers, I think, and we also did a comparison video with him in the original, and they sound just so similar, and it's like, wow. He's got the intonations, the breaths, the everything down, and then um, same thing with the Palpatine actor. He 
is actually Palpatine for our Bounty Hunter series, our Bounty Hunter audio drama series that we're doing. And he is just phenomenal. This guy is like amazing as Palpatine. He's as Palpatine as you get. Awesome. Uh, so, you know, we got them. We've got a guy who is doing the voice for Boba Fett, who is also from Casting Call and the Comic Experience. And this guy just sounds like uh, Jango Fett and Boba Fett. He is so 100% sounds just like him. It's, again, it's insane. This type of thing doesn't just fall into place like this. And that what that's what still baffles me today. And that's why... I keep saying no matter what, this is going to get done because these type of people don't just come together like this, this quickly in this type of manner. Uh, and so I was really excited to have him. And then uh, we have a physical actor who will be playing Boba Fett who has the perfect uh, build for it. Um, and uh, yeah, and then in terms of crew, it's, oh man, that's a whole nother thing without getting into a whole spiel about the crew. We've got people who have years of sword and combat experience. We have prop builders that have made a lot of short sci-fi films, or they have their own production companies and stuff, and uh, a lot of 3D printers who uh, make a lot of things. And just the list goes on of the support. We've got the 501st and the Rebel Legion on board with this as well. Um I'm trying to think we, we, we just have so many people on board with this and who are helping out in various ways. Uh, we've got a really good director of photography who has done some amazing work and he's a big star Wars fan too. Uh, so it's like, this is, this is amazing again. Like, and this is just a guy that I know he's just one of my friends and it's just so happened that he, that is his profession. And I'm like, can I, can I, steal you for this and he's like yeah <laughs> um so you know and obviously a lot of these people especially the actors are being paid and that's what some of the budget is going to um but you know like i said this thing just doesn't happen like this and so that's no. why i'm really pushing to get it made even if it doesn't happen the way that i dreamed it to be it's still gotta happen it's just it has to It'll happen. I gotta ask you one thing though, because you kind of alluded to this earlier. But for those the people that have read or played the game or comics or whatever of Shadows of the Empire, how is this going to be different from Shadows of the Empire from from the Shadows of the Empire that we know? So, the biggest thing that we are doing is we're adding uh, locations and things in between. So, for example. When Dash and Lebo leave Hoth, uh, the next thing is you get a you get a credit sequence, and then he's instantly hired by Lando and Leia to find Boba Fett. But there's no in between. You know, he had to have done something in between there. So we're adding a a known planet in the Star Wars universe. I believe it's at Zeri. Um, and uh, that'll be in the first episode, just kind of really expanding on his character. We're going to have a cantina scene, uh, a really fun duel scene with an original type of trooper that I think people are going to absolutely love. This trooper is, uh, uh, what are they called? They're called the Reaper Guard. And they are essentially like the Royal Guards. They're just another type of 
you know, sort of escort trooper um, that are just, oh, they look so amazing. So awesome. uh, there'll be stuff like that. And then um, we're really going to show uh, things that weren't shown. So, for example, like you'll see the conversation between Vader and Palpatine during Empire Strikes Back. Uh, but from Palpatine's throne room with Prince Shizor there and, you know, yes, how that all works. And uh, again, it's going to really bridge the gap between what we've seen and what we've heard and adding new material. I can't, I can't say a whole lot of what the new material we're wanting to add in terms of story, but there's definitely plenty to go around. And uh, I think people are going to be really, really excited about uh, who they're going to see what they're going to see, and even some of the surprise appearances that are going to be uh, there, not only as a character, but the person playing that character. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, voice actors in particular, too. I think a lot of people will recognize uh, one of the voice actors. But, um, yeah, there's just people are uh, really going to like it. And I think, uh, you know, to further to finish answering that question, we really, honestly, I'm just kind of retracing here, but it's really, you know, what I, what I said is we're just, uh, trying to collect my thoughts here. Um, how would I word that? Um, I think just being respectful of the old material and adding on top of that and tweaking things a little bit, uh, is essentially what we're doing. Um, but so that certain plot holes or certain, you know, things are filled and you get to see that. And it's like, whoa, so that's how that happens or that's how that would happen. Um, and like I said earlier, especially with the whole Death Star 2 plans, because in the game, the whole thing is that they get a supercomputer that, you know, has the plans encrypted on it. Um, but... In Return of the Jedi, they talk about how it was the Bothans that got in and whatnot. And then in the book, it talks about, I think they were the squadron that was covering Dash, I believe, or something like that. So what we'll be doing, I guess I could, I can say this, but what we'll be doing is we're actually going to have Dash Rendar, Scrapper, and a squad of Bothans basically um, doing this sort of uh, retrieve retrieval mission of the Death Star plans on the uh, Imperial Station. And it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be really cool. Let's just, let's just put it that way. We've got some military uh, experience... Some guys really experienced with military tactics and weapons who are going to be showing us, you know, how to breach rooms and how to, you know, cover rooms like this and, and that and this whole elite special ops type thing. So it's going to be one of those type missions. So it's going to be very intense and uh, you're going to see how um, that famous line from uh, Mon, Mo- Mon Mothma's Many Bothans Died to bring us this information and a whole lot of other things. People are just going to be, I think, totally blown back by what we've got planned. Well, I can't wait. Your excitement is infectious. I got to get on Kickstarter right now. Everybody should get on Kickstarter right now and back Shadows of the Empire, uh, the four-part series created by yourself uh, and a whole team of hard workers uh, behind it. We're going to put the Kickstarter um, 
URL, the website, in the description below. So please get over there and support them. I uh, got just a, under a, under two weeks to go to back the project. Uh, so I would say definitely check it out. Anything you want to say before we wrap this up right here? Sure. And, you know, I think uh, the biggest thing is a lot of people are very hesitant. It's like, does it charge me when I back immediately? The only time it'll charge you for your pledge is if the project is completely funded. Yes. The biggest thing we wanted to really show people is that we're not going to settle for half of it because then we wouldn't be able to make the quality of it that we think you know people deserve. I think when you're hyping something this much up and you're really trying to prove yourself, you have to make it the best that you can and you can't skimp and cut corners. Um, so that's the biggest thing I would tell I would want to tell people too is that like you know. It doesn't cost anything to back unless it's 100% funded. And on top of that, there's some pretty cool rewards in there. I'm not going to lie. Like if, yes. it, if it were me, I'd be like, wow, I'm going to drop $1,000 just so I can have this and do this, you know. Um, but yeah, that's definitely, the, I think the number one thing I would say is uh, even if you can't pay it immediately, uh, I, I think it's it, it doesn't even charge you like when it's funded. It takes like another two weeks after. Um so if, you know, if it's a thing where, you know, so because I, I relate to this as well. If it's a thing where, like, you know, you can't pay it immediately and you're afraid to pledge, you know, don't be too concerned with that. As long as you, you know, know when you can do it and if you can do it by the time it ends, you're good to go. Um, I think we just really want to show people that we've got it going. We just need your guys' help to actually make it the quality that we want it to be. And let's hope. Uh, we get to see this as the highest quality that it can be. I am excited for it. On, on the Rebels Come podcast, we do a series called High Ground where we review books and whatnot, but we also review uh, fan films, fan series. So I'm looking forward to reviewing Shadows of the Empire Star Wars series soon. I'm now one right there and uh, having you on to discuss the creation of it when it's all said and done. Yeah, of course. Thank you. I'm, I, I'm very honored to be here and uh, to be a part of this community that has given a lot to me and this is you know my thank you to that community and something i want to give back awesome well david thank you so much for joining me here on the outlander club uh it was a great it was great to hear your star wars story and to hear about the shadows of the empire on kickstarter honestly i'm really excited for it. i love shadows of the empire i think you're gonna do a hell of a job and i can't wait to see it thank you for having me on Thanks so much for listening, everybody. That was my conversation with David Ortiz about his hoping to create, well, he will regardless, this uh, fan series about Shadows of the Empire. To learn more, check out his Kickstarter page. Uh, really hoping that gets, uh, he meets his goal. It should be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to it. Thanks so much for him to be a part of that. Uh, we'll be back in the coming weeks with more of these shows, with more Rebels Come Podcasts, with more of that. So, Wizard, thank you to John Norris for the music for this podcast and thank you to Barry Brophy for the artwork for this podcast. On behalf of me and everybody here at the Rebel Scum Podcast Network, thank you so much for listening and may the force of others be with you. Yippee!